Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Hello, this is Ron Burgundy, and you are listening to my voice, which commands trust and respect. Guess what? My podcast is back, and that's a win for everyone. If you're a longtime listener to the show, you probably already know the deal. Each week, I bring you hard-hitting journalism and also light entertainment. I contain multitudes. Find the Ron Burgundy Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Movie Crush, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody, and welcome to Movie Crush, Oscar Roundtable Edition. I am here with Paul. Hello. I am here with Annie. Hi. Everyone's new favorite. <laughs> I'm here with Casey. Hello. Uh, we just had a pretty heated discussion about The Irishman, everyone. Yeah. Which kind of sets us up great for marriage story. <laughs> Maybe does, yeah. this will be a bit like a divorce now. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, We're gonna start so, singing Sondheim here in a minute. So, yeah. Marriage Story is uh, a movie uh, directed and written by the great Noah Baumbach, one of my favorite filmmakers, ever since I was in college, and he made uh, Kicking and Screaming, and then another movie called Mr. Jealousy, which didn't perform super well and was just okay. Then he took a very long break in his career before coming back strong with Squid and the Whale, and yeah. has just been, to me, on a tear since then. Agreed. Like one of the great filmmakers of our of my generation. <laughs> uh, but what do I know? I watch 100% of movies. <laughs> so uh, it stars, well, I mean, we'll get through the whole cast, but obviously Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver are the leads. Um, who is the kid? What was his name? I don't know that kid's name, actually. Like other Omzi? than that, he looks like uh, Danny Lloyd from The Shining. He was good. Yeah. <laughs> I thought got, he did a good job. He's got the haircut. He did. Yeah, he did. He did. He did. Yeah. They didn't ask too much of him. Uh, they didn't need like Kramer versus Kramer level uh, emotion out of this kid. But I think they used him fine. Uh, so let's talk about it. What do you think? Who's first? Uh, so I'm going to start with the disclaimer that I watched this on Netflix. I didn't see it in theaters. Okay. Me too. Okay. All right. Cool. Um, yeah, and I watched I, it on Netflix too. I'm the yeah. only one here who had the theatrical experience yeah, with this cool. movie. Okay, okay, cool. So maybe you'll have a different, a more theatrical take. <laughs> um, and I went in very nervous because the the kind of general consensus around the movie was it's going to break your heart. It's going to be really gut-wrenching. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually found it less gun- gut-wrenching than I thought it was going to be. I did really enjoy it. Uh, same here. Yeah, I thought it was pretty fair. Inevitably, everybody was taking a side of who they thought uh, was right, oh, which yeah? I think kind of misses the point. Uh-huh. Um, but I thought that it was pretty fair and the, the performances were, were amazing. Um, Let's it, talk about who was right. 
That's an interesting <laughs> thread. Yeah, oh, my gosh. So many people chose, you know, Team Nicole, Team Charlie. What team are you on? Uh, I, well, like I said, I feel like it's pretty fair. I'm slightly more Team Nicole. Okay. But um, I love, and I know we're going to get into this, one of my favorite things when I was reading reviews about this is so many people call out Laura Dern. And when she's like, God uh, made women are judged so much more harshly, and it goes all back to the Bible. So many people call out that scene. And then the very next thing they write is, Adam Driver's character is a great father, and he had so many chances to cheat, and he didn't. Isn't that great? I was like, what? (laughs) He did cheat. I know. He did eventually, but he had all those young years when he was like the hot new thing. He could have, yeah. Right, 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 right. Yeah, you should never be congratulated for not doing something awful. (laughs) Right, right. right. That's (laughs) stupid. Yeah. Yeah, just the incongruence in that, in those kind of reviews of where they were doing the the very same thing Uh that they were calling out, like, Laura Dern, she's so right. She's speaking truth to power. But look, he didn't cheat for all these years. Right. I mean, do you you think uh, the way that's structured in the film, those two scenes, do you think the film was aware that it was – do you think it was sort of making a comment on that itself or do you think the film might have even been blind to what it was doing there? Oh, I think – I hope that the film was aware of that, especially because there is – it's not autobiographical, but there is uh, that kind of real life. You can't life. ignore what happened in real life. Yeah. Right. So I, I would assume that uh, there's a self-awareness there that at one time maybe uh, – no, Bombach had been that way, mm-hmm. but he had come to realize the error. <laughs> so before we get see whose teams you were on, uh, I did read a lot about the personal side of it, and he said he very much said that he said it's personal, not uh, autobiographical. Yeah, he said obviously I went through a divorce. I'm a director. My wife's an actor. Uh, ex-wife's an actor. And current wife is an actor. But uh, they're married now, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, I don't know if they're married, but they're together, certainly. They're shacking up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but he said that what most of the actual plot and s- details came from was him talking to divorce attorneys and therapists. He said he really started making calls and interviewing these people. And that's where all that stuff. So I think if you read it, like, oh, well, he did this in the movie, so that's what they did in real life. I don't think that's the case at all. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. Uh, whose team are you on uh, emotionally? I'd probably lean a little bit towards Team Nicole. Uh, but like Annie said, I do think taking sides sort of – it's like it's like in the movie, it's what the, the, the system wants you to do mm-hmm. is say one person is more right than the other. And it sort of misses the point that these are two people who both uh, – made mistakes Mm -hmm. and you know if you want to take if you want to keep score and keep a tally of you know his mistakes versus her mistakes yes i would probably think that he made more Mm -hmm. errors than she did right but i don't think that's that to me that isn't necessarily a fruitful way to think about these because they are people or at least they're based on people right casey who's teaming you on (laughs) yeah no i i I would say I'm not on anybody's team. I think there's fault on both sides. And, you know, I, I think in terms of the the way the actual the film functions, I feel like we get more screen time with Charlie than we do with Nicole. Mm-hmm. So I think that alone makes you uh, maybe prone to sympathizing with him a little bit more because it does feel more like it's told from his perspective a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you get more time. You get more sort of just – what's going on in his head, what he's experiencing, and so on. 
But yeah, I mean, if if you look at all the, the the points that she brings up in their relationship and the way that he kind of took her for granted and didn't really see her as her own like independent, full, mm-hmm. fully fleshed person, right. that she's more like an appendage to him. You mm-hmm. know, she's there to lift him up and and sort of yeah. raise their child and and all this sort of thing. Um, yeah, I mean, he he made some 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 major errors in in the marriage yeah. certainly. So. In that sense, I'm Team Nicole, but I, I just think that, you know, to to look to assign the blame in these situations is not really the point. It's kind mm-hmm. of like if it didn't work, it didn't work, you right. know, and it's best to just um, move on, not hold on to that stuff, yeah. you know. Well, I think we're all in agreement then. I mean, I, I clearly, uh, especially someone who's uh, been in a relationship for many, 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 many years now, uh, you're both right and you're both wrong, 100%. Like yeah. uh, at times in the movie, I, I think – he had uh, a lot of great points. Um, I thought it was not fair to uh, abandon New York and and all these little legal tricks like, well, she was born in L.A. and so was the kid. And uh, I didn't think that was fair, but uh, he was also not fair in that he was sort of one of those men that's so self-consumed that the promise of, uh, yeah, we'll go back to L.A. one day was a lie. Right. And none of that was fair. So – Emily and I were both were vacillating back and forth, and I think that is the whole point. They're both right a lot, and they're both wrong a lot. And this is a very, very fucking realistic take on not just marriage but relationships. I think with marriage, there's uh, – and it's why people get married. There are more stakes um, than just like dating with someone or even living together uh, unless you are you know firmly committed life partners. Like you don't actually have to get married. I get that. But um, – it's it's real, man. <laughs> it's real shit. Well, I feel like if if the film is pointing its finger at anybody, it's the system itself. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it's the way that two people who have the intention of just an amicable separation, yeah. we're just gonna go our separate ways and we'll figure it out and right. no big deal. Oh, so hard suddenly to see escalates it into ugly. like the minute he he starts talking to Ray Liotta the first time. And Ray Liotta is seeing it from the perspective of somebody who's been there mm-hmm. for decades and has seen how this stuff plays out. Yeah. He doesn't have any time for sentimentality or, like, let's be nice. That's he's, why he cast Ray Liotta. Yeah, he's, he's just <laughs> yeah. there for, like, I'm, I'm going to do the best I can to protect my client. And this move to L.A. is a big problem. And, you mm-hmm. know, this, this, this is going to be a huge problem. The lawyer is going to use this thing that, you know, in reality was innocuous but can be made to look sinister, et yeah. cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, and 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 the, the the Charlie character is is just sort of like, I don't like this. You know, that's why he goes and gets Alan Alda, who is oh, man. a nicer guy, but perfect he didn't have casting that, in this movie. He didn't have that killer <laughs> instinct. Like, what's you the know? opposite of Ray Liotta? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Alan Alda. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, there's a scientific proof, a mathematical proof, yes, I think, yeah. that proves that out. Yeah. So, um, so I, I think that that to me was the most interesting part was was just seeing how. You know, even even two people with the best of intentions can get kind of caught up in this in this legal system. Mm-hmm. There's even a comment at one point where I forget which character says it, but they say, you know, the reason the system works that way is because there's a lot of bad people out there that mm-hmm. are going to do a certain thing. So it's set up to protect against those really bad cases. Mm-hmm. And the problem is, is that if you have a more kind of pure intention, you're still going to be part of that system that's kind of you know, you're guilty until you're proven innocent sort of thing. Yeah, what was the Alan Alda line? It was Alan Alda, yeah. About good people or criminals. It was deadbeat dads. It's set right, up to protect right. abused women yeah. from deadbeat dads who left them. Or no, I'm talking about the line where he says criminals, you see bad people on their best 
Mm. Oh yeah, and yeah. Criminal cases, criminal lawyers see like the best and bad people, people at their worst. Right, yes. right, right. Yeah. And that boy, that really yeah, kind of put a pin on it. Yeah, know? yeah. And and just the way that they that you know Laura Dern and and uh, Ray Liotta and, and Alan all they can all kind of tell their clients at the beginning at the outset mm-hmm. like. Yeah, you guys are talking now, but there's going to be a point at which during this process, you're not probably going to be talking. You're going to hate each other's guts. Not it's just us. how it is, you there's know? No yeah, way. yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> and, they, and they think they're going to be the exception to the rule, but they're not. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock. He constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Hey, it's Ben, Henry, and Marcus, hosts of The Last Podcast on the Left. Our show's dedicated to uncovering hilariously horrifying stuff. And now we're only on Spotify. Join us. If you want. Obviously, we'd never force anyone to just blindly join us. That'd be crazy. But if you like stories about doomsday cults who do exactly that and more, please join us on Spotify. Visit Spotify.com slash last podcast to listen free. Do you, you guys know? know people that have gotten divorced like peers? Yet? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's tough. Uh, and, you know, you hear the divorce rate. And when all of the friends get married, and, and in my case, there was like, oh, let's just say 15 couples in my life. And we all get married. And you start to wonder, like, if half of us are going to get divorced. Who's going to be first? Who's going to be first? Yeah. Who's it going to be, period? And everyone seems so solid. Yeah. And here I am, like 15 years later. And there's been like four big divorces in our group yeah. for various reasons. And you're like, oh, that's how it happens. Yeah. It's just real life. Yeah. Sometimes there's cheating. Sometimes there's not. Yeah. I like – I felt like the movie did a really good job the way it opens where they both are reading yeah. the letters of everything they love about each other and the inflection in their voices – is pre like hate. It's still yeah. kind of like love and fond. And I think that was such a good tool because it set them up as both individual people that you could recall later, like, oh yeah, you know, maybe I really don't like this character right now, but I know they have all of these good qualities. It was cruel though. It was yeah, so and then it painful. takes it away immediately. Yeah. But um I thought that was really effective. And in the case of friends who get divorces, you it's I don't know. I just felt like I could connect with both people usually. Mm-hmm. You can see why they loved each other. Um, and then you can see why it sort of fell apart. Yeah. And also that that opening you're, you're, you're mentioning, I think also just from a filmmaking and sort of narrative standpoint, it's a really clever way to give you a lot of information about yeah. characters oh, yeah. really efficiently. Totally. Uh, without uh, having to do a ton of exposition, mm-hmm. which yeah. I just – Tip my hat to you, Noah Baumbach. Yeah, or, or it's all exposition, but yeah. it just doesn't feel like it. It's not like the the tropey phone call at the beginning of the movie. Right. You know. And I think it's indicative of the rest of, of the problem of their relationship is that they they went unread. Mm-hmm. They went uncommunicated. Right. And it was just so brutal because you're like, you've, as a, the viewer, got to hear it. Uh-huh. And you were like, these are great. You want to hear this. And yeah. then... But bringing it back at the end was just genius. Yeah. It was like the perfect way to 
and just fucking devastating when he's like the kid is reading it at first, right? Right. Oh my god, I mean, can't even take it. <laughs> and that was sort of a uh, a through line too with the kid and his reading, and the way it all kind of worked together like that uh, really worked. Yeah, the the beginning I think is is really interesting because. It feels for a second, if you don't know this filmmaker or what this film is really going to be about, it feels like it could be the opening to like a rom-com or something mm-hmm, much mm-hmm. lighter fare. Oh, yeah. And so you're kind of like, oh, this is kind of like light and funny and these like little humorous observations of human behavior and mm-hmm, so on. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, the rug gets pulled out from underneath you immediately. And that I mean, it's, it's kind of like that room. Yeah. And it's kind Brutal. of like the marriage versus a divorce, too, because mm-hmm. in, yeah. it's the honeymoon period versus like yeah. when things get really serious and, and suddenly there's all these problems and... You know, if you if you listen to what the 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 counselor who's played by Robert Smigel, if you if you listen to what he's saying, mm-hmm. he's basically telling them what they need to do, which is the point they arrive at at the end of the movie after mm-hmm. they've blown all this money on divorce lawyers and oh, God. Yeah. you know. But but his his advice that. to them at the beginning, if they could just take it, would have saved them all this trouble. But you know, the that's kind of the tragedy is that the majority of people, it's one thing to tell somebody something mm-hmm. you got to experience it firsthand you know they had mm-hmm. they had to go through all that to arrive at this point where they could finally sit down and remember what they loved about each other in the beginning yeah and and just kind of make their peace with that and and you know and say okay it didn't work out but we got married for all these good reasons and yeah. it's just life you know yeah there were so many gut punch moments um the money i mean oh, it's yeah. just it, it i had a stomach ache about the the kind of money they were spending mm-hmm. on these bloodsuckers. If you uh, if you look at you know something, I think that that could be uh, people have pointed this out. If you look at Noah Baumbach's filmography and the jobs he's taken, mm-hmm. especially as a screenwriter, yeah, he, his the, the divorce begins, I believe, in 2010. His real life divorce mm-hmm. in 2012. He's credited with writing Madagascar Three. Which is, you know, <laughs> let's say a left turn in the filmography <laughs> a little bit. Sure. Uh-huh. So, uh, you know, a, a lot of people have kind of inferred from that he probably had some bills he needed to pay, you know? Yeah. I mean, I don't begrudge someone. No, not at no, all. Yeah, not at all. I mean, it's, it's, it's like uh, like what happens with Charlie in the movie. It's like I had to direct two crappy plays to right. kind of, you know, pay the bills. It's just— To pay for a divorce. It's what happens. Yeah. Uh, the other One of the other gut punches was—and uh, I think you mentioned earlier, Casey, when these things come back later— uh, and they use them against each other. Yeah, it's just it, devastating. Like with the uh, that innocuous moment when she has a little too much wine and stumbles. Yep. Yeah, and then they bring that up, and Emily and I were both just going, "Oh God, no, no!" <laughs> it's uh, that that scene when they're in the courtroom where it's Leota and Laura Dern yeah. arguing with each other. For me, was probably the best scene in the movie. And I know there's another great scene where it's well, we'll get to the three. Yeah, the big three. <laughs> but, <laughs> but for me, that scene r- rang the most honest and true out of all of them because, like you said, the way these innocuous moments get get brought back up and used as as weapons. Yeah, and also the fact that they're not saying these things to each other; they yeah. have third parties arguing that about them in mm-hmm. front of an audience. And in front of them, they're just sitting there. It's just awful to see. Yeah, and and it's kind of ironic too because you know that Ray Liotta and Laura Dern are kind of like buddies. Yeah, exactly. Like when they first meet each other outside the courtroom, they're uh-huh. like, "Hey, how's it going? You oh, you do sh- that fundraiser, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like they have probably just for them, it's probably just fun to get in there and just battle with each other. Uh-huh. And how much though that this is sort of destroying these people's lives? Yeah, and it is like the the moment that really hit me as far as it being more about these attorneys and their conquest was. 
at the end when Laura Dern, and she's so good in this, um, when she says, oh, you know, I got you 55%. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, I don't even want that. And Laura Dern wanted that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nora, the attorney, wanted that. Yeah. So she could tout that to further clients or talk about it at whatever social club she goes to. And it, it's just like the worst thing about attorneys. That's why we hate attorneys. But I mean, I think I think you could look at it a little more charitably. She just wanted the best, the most, the maximum for her client, you know, mm, I don't and, think and so. not even not even to get sentimental about it or not to, you know, just to be unapologetically their advocate, their sort of like bulldog, really, you know, to be yeah. as aggressive and, 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 and play a bit dirty and so on. That's that's what you hire a, a high powered attorney like that for ultimately. And and they uh for them, their definition of success is how much yeah. they've got, yeah, right? right? So even though, like, um, Nicole doesn't really care about the 55, 45, she'd be happy with 50, 50. Yeah. In, in how the lawyers measure success is by numbers, yeah. right? So that's how you measure it. Well, like a 50, 50, it's like, what did, what do we even achieve, right? Yeah. But that was about there's, custody, there's be though. Edge. It wasn't about money, right? Yeah, yeah. It was yeah, 55% yeah. time with your child. But yeah. still, that's that's what's kind of sickening about it is it's right. still yeah. a numbers game yes. for them, yeah. even right. though it's talking about the life of this young child. Yeah. But then, you know, the the film, I think, it's nice at the at the ending where, you know, um, uh, Nicole says to Charlie, like, um, do you want to take him tonight? It's mm-hmm. not your night, I know, but you want to take him. You kind of realize that now that they're out of the legal system for yeah. the most part, they're going to start negotiating themselves, th- the stuff themselves, you know, and they're going to arrive at a more equal distribution of things, you know. Well, that's what the frustration of the film is, is yeah. the reality that they could have done that from the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. And then when she moves to L.A. at the end, I was kind of like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, uh, but that little that, apartment, oh, yeah. God, yeah. so oh. sad. That's that's part of the tragedy, too, is they're just not on the same – they're not at the same part in their life. Like, it's not syncing up. She's yeah. already moved on and gotten – arrived at the conclusion, this isn't going to work. Mm-hmm. I'm in an emotionally different place. I'm professionally in a different place. But he still hasn't necessarily arrived at that conclusion. Yeah. And that yeah. is so real. I think, uh, like, you know, like I said, sometimes there's infidelity and there's these big moments, but – so many times relationships don't work because of timing yeah. and people not being in, in the same. I mean, you don't have to be at the exact same place, but you got to. Uh, I mean, I had a therapist tell me one time, it's like, you don't have to be on the same page. He's like, but you got to be like reading from the same book. Yeah. 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 At Very least. True. And sometimes you're not. Well, especially I feel like in, in, in these sort of like entertainment industry relationships, it's it's that much more glaring when when yeah. two people are at different places in their career. Oh yeah, and and maybe one person starts off in the relationship as being kind of the one that's more successful, mm-hmm. and then what happens when the other one kind of like goes around them? And, yeah, and you know, I think about that all the time. Their pilot goes to series, couples. and yeah. you know, it's like suddenly, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah I'm sure there are jealousies like that. You know, you can't oh, get yeah. around it. Yeah, yeah. You got to be a competitive person, you know, to to be uh-huh. in that in that world, and so. How could it not, in some way, taint your relationship or or change your perception of your partner or change the dynamics in the relationship? Yeah, yeah, and it's you can see it kind of play out when he gets the MacArthur Genius Grant, and she's right. clearly you know happy for him, but thinking, oh, have I made a mistake? Is like, uh-huh. could I have been <laughs> yeah. successful if I say? It? And then she gets an Emmy at the end 
for directing. Oh, dude. That was so awesome. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's like, oh, no, it was actually for directing. Yes. And yeah. you just yeah. saw the spear go through his arm. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. he never thought she was capable of that. Right, right. You know? Right, right. Um, but there, there is this feeling of limited – there's limited opportunities in the entertainment industry. They're hard enough to come by. Mm-hmm. Am I better off, even if I'm not happy, even if I'm not doing what I ultimately want to be doing, sticking with somebody who I do love but is also really successful right. and maybe right. I can write off of that or should I try to do my own thing? Right. So it's kind of these little you're, – you're taking a chance yeah. um, by leaving someone who is successful. In the yeah, industry. and the whole thing—I thought it was funny—the uh, the little clip of all over the girl when she like starts to take her top <laughs> yeah, off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know, there there were some valid points in that uh, she may have been that type of an actor, and he may have changed the perception of her through this serious theater work, right? But it's just that sort of life, man. Yeah, like to use that, then it just got so fucking ugly. Yeah, and I kept thinking she was twenty one when they got married, and there's just so much room for growth professionally right. and personally and also um as an actress sadly enough that is your time because the i think the average age of an oscar winning actress is 26 wow that average age of an oscar winning actor is 56 Are you so there, yes wow. so there it, there's like and i can feel it as an actress too there's your little window uh-huh. and by the time you're 30 they're like okay you're not yeah you're not viable yeah so she was waiting for these opportunities to go back to la Mm-hmm. That she um, never got. Yeah, and again, it's not about taking sides or anything, but you can understand, I think, where both of them were coming from, and I think that's what makes it really powerful and a really accurate yeah. showcase of relationship. Well, I mean, he did help her career out, but it, this idea, and it's very, like, white male thing, is, like, that I plucked you out of a career that was no doubt just going to be more TNA. Yeah. It's yeah. like, well, maybe not. Like you said, she's 21. Yeah. She may have, if he had never come along. She may have uh, started getting better roles because she was a good actor. Right. Yeah, and, and you see that especially, too, when she comes back to L.A. for that pilot. Uh, all You can hear kind of the background chatter on set where they're sort of saying, I can't believe we got her. We're so lucky. We're so – thank you thank you to the divorce because yeah. we're so lucky to have <laughs> yeah. her. So right. yeah. She's clearly a, a, a hot commodity yeah. and seen as very talented within the industry. Yeah, that's true. Uh, well, let's talk about the big three – there were three, I mean, for lack of a better word, almost set pieces in this movie. Uh, the first being Nicole's that long, unbroken take yes. with Laura Dern's character. Yeah. That was just, and, and it's one of those scenes where about two minutes into it, it dawns on you like, okay, he's not cutting here. This is going to yeah. be one of those scenes. This is going to be yeah. one of those scenes. Yeah. And just, I'd like to see that scene written out because, I mean, just from an, nuts and bolts perspective, that's a staggering amount of shit to remember. Right, right. Yeah. And then you've got to play it. Yeah. Right. You know? And there's all the, like, she goes up into the office and yeah. gets, like, a tissue. I love that. Yeah, I love the tea. I yeah. love the, the, the physical kind of business that's going on at the same time mm-hmm. because it just, it gives the scene so much more life. I think it even sells the dialogue that much more mm-hmm. when you're kind of saying it while you're in the middle of doing some other thing. Um I think it's it's later. I, I think it's in the in the big argument scene. But one of them walks into the other room, and mm-hmm. they're still talking to each other. And then they kind of come back out into the other room again. Yeah, uh, and they're in the same room. But yeah, just just that sort of um, behavior mixed in with the the delivery of the dialogue makes it feel like less of a monologue, less of like a stagey thing, mm-hmm. and more of like this is just a, a big 
you know, important conversation that's happening, but life is still kind of going on at the same time. Yeah, it reminded me, uh, you guys ever seen Shortcuts? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A great scene when uh, Julianne Moore. Yes, the hair dryer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doesn't she like spill something on her pants or something? So she does the scene bottomless. Right. (laughs) And it's a big argument. And it's like this real life is still playing out. She's yeah. still trying to get this stain out. Yeah, she's got the hair dryer and she's drying it and she's nude from the waist down. Yeah. And, you know, but th- nobody's commenting on any of that. No, they're just so having real. this argument because, uh-huh. you know, they're they're together. And so that's just life. Yeah. yeah it's like one of the most realistic nude scenes yeah. of all time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, but I've, I've always thought Scarlett Johansson was a good actor. So it's not like I was totally surprised. But, boy, after after that scene, she just like I had so much more love for her. And, I mean, she's my favorite going into Oscar season for sure. I'd love to see her win for this. It was powerful. And at that point of that – that in the movie, you hadn't – you weren't sure why they were getting divorced. You just had this, these lovely letters they wrote to each other. I know. So you were very curious about it. And the way she opened up to a stranger uh-huh. yeah, and just almost probably was saying that for the first time, like realizing for the first time or vocalizing it for the first time. Yeah. And experiencing that emotion, the fact that she did it with a stranger, I think, is really, it shows how little she had somebody to communicate with or discuss with or to trust. Yeah. And it makes it all the more impactful almost. For sure. Like, because you're hearing it for her vocalize it for the first time, too, as the viewer. Yeah. I also thought that scene, it was so interesting to see Nora's... uh, her game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, she took off her shoes. Took off her, and like, it's just couch. you and me, girl. Yeah. yeah. And like, these co- the cookies are the best. This tea is fantastic. Yeah. She sets up this whole scene. So calculating. Yeah. In it. it's, it's pretty good. And I, just real quick on that, that scene, um, I love at the beginning of the scene where this is our first introduction to Nora, Laura Dern's character. Yeah. And she first says to Scarlett Johansson, I'm sorry I look so schleppy today. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. That's just like yeah, she looks she like looks she walked off she the does. runway. Yeah, yes. I just love that. I had yeah. to had to call that. Well, that's out. all part of that game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. it's like yeah. I'm just a regular gal like you. Right. It's very, I'm just gathering yeah. LA. Very I don't like, make like thirty million dollars a year as yeah. a high power divorce attorney. <laughs> well, it's also right. that that what I love too about that scene is that if you contrast that when they're with a the marriage counselor at the beginning, mm-hmm. and it's like she she can't open up to this guy at all. Yeah. Um, but then you realize, like, the divorce lawyer, Laura Dern's character, she is really functioning also as, like, almost a therapist, right? Mm-hmm. She has, like, the Kleenex box that's, like, right there. She mm-hmm. kind of – she knows exactly how this is going to go. She's done this a million times before. And, yeah, she does open up to her because she feels like she's being heard. And that's right. I mean, also a the dynamic is that – therapist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what, $800 an hour or something? Yeah, Just no like, sliding yeah. scale going yeah. on there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so that's the first set piece. The second one is uh, – and I think it was interesting in that for Emily and I, we needed to hear that fight. Yeah. Because there was so much pleasantry and so much clear pent up things being left unsaid yeah. that we were like, when are they going to fucking go at it? And boy, when they do, man, it's like it was worth the wait. It was so real. Yeah. Um, those things, it's, I'm fascinated with this aspect of relationships where vulnerability is just a key part of it. So mm-hmm. I've often felt like I'm giving someone a weapon to use against me later. Like yeah. if this ever goes wrong, then you have something that you can attack me with because you know me better than anyone else. Mm-hmm. And to see that dynamic play out of we at one time loved each other so much yeah. and now it's mixed up with hate and I can use these things that you've shared with me when you haven't shared with anyone else. 
that can use them against you. Yeah. <laughs> and real as shit. Yeah. Like I think we've all been in those situations in relationships where you open yourself up and maybe you think about it in the back of your mind or maybe you don't, but that can come back at you later and it's it's a terrible feeling because it makes you not want to open up anymore. This is like a this is a little tangent, but this is just making me think of the whole sequence of events in Casino where you know, Great movie. De Niro gives Sharon Stone, you know, uh-huh. the the safe lot, the safety deposit yeah. box, and the bank manager says to him, "Like, are you sure, yeah. Mr. Rustin? Do you really trust your wife?" He's absolutely he goes because so many of my clients don't, you know. Right. And then the way you see it all come back, and it's you just shouldn't, like, yeah. But <laughs> that is a really interesting idea, Annie. The the way that, yeah, the, the vulnerability turns into, mm-hmm. you know, you're exposed, you're weak, but. It, there's no way around it. It's just trust, you know. If you yeah. if you if you gotta love somebody, you gotta trust them, and you have to be willing to live with what could come back in the end, you know, uh, to be used against you. It's just you know part of the part of the deal you make. Right. I might be going against the grain a little bit here, but that that scene we're talking about was hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked the movie a lot, but that scene for me, despite it being sort of a powerhouse two powerhouse performances mm-hmm. was one scene that I didn't that didn't quite hit me as much as it wanted to. Oh, interesting. And I think it's because a lot of the movie plays out in this very raw this raw space that feels very Cassavetes-esque mm-hmm. perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And this felt like we were getting a little bit too much into theatricality where it was sort of like Bombach saying, okay, Here's our big set piece. Right, right. Here's our if this was an action movie, here's our big action sequence. Yeah. And I don't know, it just it didn't quite hit me as much as I wanted it to. Mm-hmm. And especially I'm curious to hear what you guys think, but the way that conversation kind of builds and then ends to this really dark point where Adam Driver says, I I wish you would die if that meant Charlie could have a good life. Yeah. It's like if I, if Charlie was okay, nothing bad happened to him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and and you could just die. That yeah. would be like what's best for me. And I'm yeah. kind of shocked Jesus. at her reaction to that. Like she just he he obviously breaks yeah. down and realizes what he's done. Yeah. Uh-huh. But he she her immediate instinct is to sort of comfort him. Yeah. 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 How do you does that does that ring true? Is that making a I comment could, on how she's sort of expected to sort of? I think so. I think so. Yeah, I, I could. I could believe it. That as soon as the words leave his mouth, he knows he's he's he regrets it. You know, he wishes he could have them back, and so he has his breakdown. And yeah, I mean, I, I think maybe perhaps she'd had those same thoughts and just not vocalize them or something. Mm-hmm. You know, at at her kind of weakest point. So to me, it was just. Um, yeah, it, it it didn't surprise me. I I, I didn't. I wasn't um, surprised that she didn't get like angry with him or storm out or something because mm-hmm. they were just they were just having that that kind of super raw moment, you know. Well, I mean, there are two ways to play that. There, she could just say "fuck you" for saying that. Yeah. Exit, slam door. Right. I think this is a far more interesting way to play it and a far more real way to play it, and kind of tied into. I mean, that was who she was. She ties a shoe at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's the same woman who ties a shoe that comforts him even though he just said the worst thing he could say to her. I mean those fights are the are the worst thing in the world to go through in real life, but they're cathartic also. Yeah. Uh sometimes kind of necessary. It's like a purging. It of is. Like this, yeah. You know, bile that's built up. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, and I think it goes back to they're in two different places in this 
uh, in the stages of this thing. And she's probably already had that part, yeah. and he just wasn't around. Right. Uh, interesting, yeah. yeah. Kimbler Ross kind of stages of right. So he's she at the like anger recognizes stage. it, yeah. Right. And right. then she, um, and also just uh, those. I've had these fights before, and when you say that, you immediately regret it, and it's almost sad. It's like she's yeah. she's witnessing it and thinking, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember being yeah, there. Right. Right. And. He starts it by calling her honey, and he, you know, oh, I keep forgetting, and I keep, and I think they've just been together so long, it's sort of second nature that she comforts him in this yeah. really weak when he's like collapses and is crying. It's very real. Yeah. That that reminds me of so much, so much, so much of the physicality between them in the movie is them trying to go against their instincts of knowing exactly how they they would normally sort of comfort. Mm-hmm. the other right. person because they're so used to doing it. But right. now that the divorce is happening, yeah. especially when the lawyers come in, they you can see in their body language they sort of have to restrain themselves yeah, from maybe right, right. smiling at the joke uh-huh. or yeah. putting a hand on the shoulder because it's like, no, we can't do that anymore. Right. Yeah. Emily and I were laughing when we were watching this. I was like, boy, it's like I think we're smart enough that we would just uh, – live in separate houses and never get divorced <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. so we don't have to go through this. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. It's like, we'll, we'll just keep it all, we'll just, I'll move in down the street <laughs> right. and uh, we'll never have to go through this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I do think in that scene, Adam Driver, a lot of that is self, his is pain, inward pain, mm-hmm. and he's just expressing it in this way. And I think when you say something like, I hope you die. Like every day I wake up and I hope you die. You're trying so hard to hurt someone else, to project your pain mm-hmm. on right. someone else. Yeah. That it's I I felt like it was a really unsubtle attempt by him to mm-hmm. hurt her and he completely failed and just showed hmm. that he was he was the one that was in so much pain. Yeah. And I think it also, like you said, two different stages in life, it short, sort of reveals her maturity. Yeah. Vis-a-vis him, where he's sort of at a more I guess, immature stage of his life or his psychological development. Yeah, don't they start it by where she is like, do you understand why I want to be in L.A.? And he's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It yeah. It's a bit like a childlike, you know, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's still not willing to even even entertain or listen or expound on why she would want that. Yeah, and all these, uh, I wondered kind of like if they were improving some and uh, Scarlett Johansson was like, not a word. Or pause was improv. Right. And she said really? Noah's very, at least in this film, was hyper-specific about everything. Um, and, and I'd be curious to read the script if it says things like she gets up and leaves a room and right. gets a tissue. Yeah. Like, how specific did he get? Um, or was that something they found in the blocking and rehearsing? And Yeah. 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 And, and, I mean, to me, a, a, I think the better way in general is to be open and collaborative and to maybe – try different things in improv, but there's something to be said when you have something so specific, a vision so specific, to adhere to that and just be like, nah, this is it. Yeah. Like, say these words. And it's 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 surprising to hear that because a lot of it does have this sort of improvised feel, yeah. which I think is just a testament to the to the acting and, of totally. course, the directing of the actors. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Tillman Bay. Tillman Bay. Bay is weak. We need to rebuild. You have no choice. It has to be done. The epic fiction podcast, Tuman Bay, returns. Have we met before? Oh, yes, General. 
from creators John Scott Dryden and Mike Walker. I need soldiers and I need them now. Maya is defeated. Don't you see? It's not a gift, it's a curse. We are the fist of God. That fist is now raised in its glove of iron to punish the city of unbelievers. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. In the name of God, what have you done? So the third set piece was Adam Driver's performance of Being Alive. Uh, the Stephen Sondheim uh, from the musical company. Uh, that sort of is one of the sheer delights of this movie. And it comes out of nowhere. And it starts – the way they play it, it just started so organic and kind of small. And he even sits down at one point yeah. and then gets back up. Yeah, yeah. And it just uh, – it, it the emotional impact, you know, like – I don't even know why, but it was just so hardcore. Well, it's a very cathartic moment, yeah. you know. But I love, too, that um, a, a scene like that is really only possible in this movie that's not a musical mm-hmm. because he runs with this crowd of, like, theater actors. Yeah. And they're all very performative, and uh-huh. they all kind of, like, love show tunes. And, oh, sure. You know, he's 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 in the right crowd for, for that kind of moment to just— Arise organically. Yeah, it would know? not have worked. In yeah, like yeah. There's, there's not too many other like characters and situations that yeah. would allow for that kind of thing, unless you just wanted to make a it would seem a funny. real tonal shift as a filmmaker in that moment. Yeah, yeah. It seemed very real. Uh, and speaking of the company, like interesting in that there was a, a real human son, but there was also this other family uh, that they had surrounded themselves with that has. Uh, that were clearly taking sides. You know, that's very, very interesting, Chuck, because I, I was thinking that, you know, the, the the Scarlett Johansson character, she has a family, right? Mm-hmm. Like her, her biological family is right. still intact, and they're all out in L.A., mm-hmm. and that's a big part of why she wants to move there and live there to be mm-hmm. close to her family so that her son can grow up around, you know, his, his, his relatives and so on. And the, the Adam Driver character... It's it's referenced very very loosely at the beginning, but she only met his parents one time. Mm-hmm. They were alcoholics. There was a lot of fighting. That's why he is the way he is. He's a responsible one. He's kind of right. because he had to be the adult when he was a kid. Mm-hmm. It sounds like basically he had to kind of raise his parents. And his family is the theater. Yeah, his family is the theater company, and so he's losing them. So they right. both have their families, but one's kind of an adopted family, and one's the you know the the biological family. Yeah. But um. But the 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 tension between those two, and of course. Uh, in, in in the view of the court, they only care about the L.A. family. They right. don't care at all about the New York family. Yeah, you know, it's not there's no consideration there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Totally. Um, I'm gonna jump in here. Yeah, I'm yeah. gonna sound a bit like a philistine here, but I uh, that the the song he sings, I didn't know. I didn't know what it was from. I didn't either. Okay. No, I didn't I, either. Yeah, I didn't. Well. I did only because I'd read that okay. there's like two Sondheim songs in this movie. Is and... the other one the one she does in yes. the scene right before yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those scenes back to back, I'm sorry to say, just didn't work for me. I was just like, this is too much. <laughs> this is too much like just music for yeah. me. Maybe I just don't <laughs> like singing that much. And especially his scene, it felt for me too on the nose where it's like, oh, I, this is the scene where he sings sort of an innocuous song and he, we and he as he's singing it realize 
the words could be about him and his relationship. Yeah, there's all and this it, like buried meaning. It was just a little too on the nose for me. And I totally Paul. understand if I'm Do the I only one who feels... cynicism creeping in? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe. That's but fair. Me and uh, my girlfriend Alice were both, when the, those two scenes came on, we both kind of were like, okay, we're going to have to hear all these songs front to back. <laughs> we just kind of were like, all right, let's get on with it, get on with it. Maybe, I don't know. It, so you're both dead inside. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's true. Well, I'm glad you found each other. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. A very good. What point. did you think, Annie, about that scene? Um, I d- I like how I think my favorite part was actually how he sat down and got back up. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, because yeah. I I was watching it kind of like, oh, huh, he's sad. He's in that stage where you're like, oh, I'll get up and sing, mm-hmm. and uh, then he kind of waves it off and sits back down, and then has a second thought, or, or he just has to finish it, and the lyrics. Uh, along with the lyrics, it is pretty on the nose, but it it's is. It's on the nose, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's him saying, I really want that, that vulnerability and pain. I've been through all this agony. I would do it again, and mm-hmm. I want to do it again. So I think it was long, and it kind of left me questioning, huh, wow, how long is this going to go? But in a way, that almost made it more effective than if they had gotten out of it sooner because mm-hmm. it made me really – well, sorry. Yeah, no, it just made me really sit It in. kind of becomes, it starts when he's first singing, it's kind of like this cute thing and, every, mm-hmm. you know, the theater group's all kind of like involved. And then as it goes on and on, it kind of reaches that point where it becomes just sad. Yeah. And then maybe even by the end, a little redemptive or has a note of hope perhaps. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it does fluctuate through a lot of emotions just by the sheer duration of it. Yeah, I think so. Um, the duration didn't. It, it that was not something that stuck out to me, which, which I guess coming from the guy who saw the Irishman exactly, five times. exactly. So, <laughs> so, uh, but but I'm assuming that means it was working for me that I was right. kind of getting all those notes and transitions mm-hmm. and, and the way the scene kind of ebbs and flows. But I mean, it does it does have the feeling of like this is a consciously chosen set right. piece kind of scene. The same way the fight is that way. The same way mm-hmm. certain other sequences, the so, the opening monologue and so on is mm-hmm. is that way. There's this, this a little th- bit thesis statement-y yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. For sure. Start. And, and it, it's like him kind of saying like, I mean, it's him consciously deciding like this is going to be the scene where there's catharsis, there's the breakthrough and so on. Yeah. Um, actually, if I had to single out a scene that I wish wasn't there or that I wish played out a little differently, it would be the kid reading the letter at the end of the movie. Oh, yeah. Just because I kind of feel like th- it feels like a scene from a more sentimental filmmaker mm-hmm. in a way, and and overall I felt like this scene, th- this film from Bombach, had some of his rough edges sanded down a little more mm-hmm. than than I'm used to. Um, that that it, it seemed like it's almost like his crossover movie. It kind of feels like he's entering into territory where he wants to to address a, a little bit wider of an audience maybe mm-hmm. which is valid you know, sure. of course but um uh, you know throughout the film i kind of missed some of the really sharp and just a- absolutely brutal asides that you get in a film like squid and the whale for instance right uh or even meyerwitz stories which is his film just before this one yeah that was um, great too when you when you look at these families and it's always this milieu of like hyper educated, mm-hmm. sharp people that are very culturally dialed in and so on. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the way they can be so cruel to each other and so casually mm-hmm. and say the worst things in the world. And then this, the film rushes right past it. You know, he has this way with his editing too, where, you know, somebody will deliver this like really harsh line and then it just boom cuts to the next scene and mm-hmm. it just keeps moving. And this film, it kind of felt more like, 
those moments were a bit more telegraphed and the film would sit with them because it wanted you to kind of make sure you got it, I guess, in a way. So I don't know. Um, I, this is the jumping ahead a little bit, but this this to me felt like not really bomb back light, but but a little bit trending in that direction, mm-hmm. you know, that to me, Squid and the Whale is is a more kind of brutally honest look at, you know, a divorce, the way it, the way the kids are kind of yanked apart. I mean, people have said that Squid and the Whale is sort of divorced from the kids' perspective and Marriage Story is divorced from the parents' perspective. Yeah. But I feel like even in Squid and the Whale, the parents are very, very well-drawn characters, right? They, you know, Jeff Daniels and Laura Linney in that film, they feel like absolutely like real people. Yeah. And you you do get their perspective, even if it's a little bit more Jesse Eisenberg and his brother. In, in this film, the the child, you know, the the kid, I don't know, I, I want to get everybody's opinion of this. Doesn't it seem like he should be able to read or spell like a little better than he can? Doesn't it seem like he maybe doesn't need a car seat like at his age? Am I wrong there? Was it? Is I he feel supposed like, to have like a learning disability or something? I feel like the reading or? thing was maybe mentioned where he's a little slow in okay. reading as opposed okay. to he's really good math. at math. Yeah. I think that was a thing. Okay. It might have been a plot point that yeah. gets mentioned. I yeah. could be wrong. And he, I think it might have been a thing to set up him reading the letter at the end. True. And yeah. Adam Driver sitting down to help him. Yeah. Uh, Which, you That's know, true. That's it, it, a little like maybe slightly forced. Yeah, it to somebody a, perhaps a disability so you well, can get this sentimental somebody, thing at the end. Somebody made the comment like this is, you know, the slowest kid of two brilliant parents, you know, uh, like he he doesn't he just doesn't feel like the product of those parents that are that are both very smart, very like with it. Um he he kind of feels like somebody else's kid in a way. Yeah. I don't know. Um that can happen though. But yeah, that's that that is that is true, but uh in, in so many of his other films, Bombach is really good at showing, you know, the the intelligence of a kid, the way that kids know so much more than their parents assume they know, mm-hmm. and they're and they're so much further along in their comprehension of what's going on in their parents' marriage and the divorce and all this stuff. Yeah, they they, they just feel it in their bones, you know. Um, and this kid seemed a little bit more almost oblivious in a way, or he was for sure. Yeah. Which, again, maybe is a conscious choice, maybe is um, something different that Baumbach is trying, but I kind of miss that 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 extra element, that extra dimension of, you know, a, a character with a real point of view and, and, and their own kind of feelings about things. Mm-hmm. Obviously, this kid later in life is going to have feelings and thoughts and, and process this in, in his own way, but um, he kind of seems just sort of like a, a cipher or, or like... Um, you know, he he's not really his own character. He's just sort of this uh, thing that the two parents are sort of, you know, fighting over, bargaining with. Yeah. I think that was kind of the point. Yeah. There was one thing that really stood out to me, and I couldn't tell if I was being a stickler for it or not. But in the very beginning, in Nicole's letter of things she loves about about um, Charlie, one of them was he's such a great dad, even mm-hmm. of the bad stuff. He put tantrums. And then I'm witnessing him as a dad. I'm like... Is he? <laughs> I mean, maybe he was when it was easy, or maybe because it's so stressful. Like, I can only imagine you're flying out to LA and you've got to get a lawyer. And it's just everything I witnessed, I was sort of. I saw him as a dad that got, was uh, all consumed by whatever he felt like being consumed by in the moment. Yeah. yeah. And if that was the play that he's working on, that's a play. If it's playing with his son, that's that. Right. But um, that's different than being a great dad. Right. You know, he's um, a great dad doesn't get so all consumed by your work that you fail to be a dad True. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um 
That's a good point. Yeah, well, I kept thinking about that. I think yeah. it probably is true, though, that it was, like you said, it's easier for him to be all those things when the, the marriage is intact. Yeah. When he has her support. Right. right. Yeah, and maybe when it was easier. Right. Sure. You know, exactly. because like he says, she loves to play. Mm-hmm. She plays all the time and is 100% all in. And then when he kind of has to do that, yeah. he's not really good at it. He's right. like, oh, I'm too tired to play. Or he kind of just is, does it absentmindedly. Right. Or they go, I love when they go trick-or-treating and he's yes. like driving around L.A. Yeah. And he's yeah. trying yeah. to find anywhere. Oh, God. That was awful. Yeah. The movie does I make... kept going, get into a neighborhood. I was <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. get off the fucking Sunset <laughs> yeah. Strip. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Hollywood is surrounded by houses and sure. neighborhoods. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This uh, movie does make a lot of pointed comments about L.A., which yeah, I yeah, think for sure are pretty does. great. Yeah, I love uh, the, you know, everybody, the constant refrain, but the space, the space. Yeah. Yeah. And there's finally, oh fuck gosh. the space. I think yeah. we know how Noah Baumbach feels yeah, about yeah, L.A., yeah. let's put yeah. it that way. Um, let's talk real quick here about the um, great scene with Martha Kelly um, from Baskets, one of my favorite TV shows, as the uh, evaluator. Yes. Who comes, yeah. yes. The evaluator who comes to dinner. Yeah. Like, that could have been its own little short film. Absolutely. Uh, it was Brutal and tough to see, uh, and then ends on this really horrific, hysterical <laughs> note when he fucking slices his arm. <laughs> but he played it so well. He was just like, oh, I guess I didn't retract the blade or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, he sliced his wrist vertically. Like, that's Suicide. what you do yeah. Yeah, yeah. when you want to make it final. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, she, and Martha's just so great. She's just like, you know, you, are you sure you're okay? <laughs> and he rolls his sleeve down and is seeping through. It's a just a bloodbath all and, of a sudden. And they have that really awkward moment at the door where she can't get it to unlock, and he has to kind of get uncomfortably he physically. I know. He's like <laughs> but surrounding he's, he's like her. Do, he's kind of, you know, oh domineering over. And so you can tell she just wants to get out of there as quickly as possible. And he <laughs> wants her to get movie. out of there. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, he leaves that little blood trail those, on the door. Those, those types of scenes, those moments, to me, were more effective sometimes than the sort of the scenes we mentioned earlier, the right. sort of yeah. blow up scenes because he he still manages to inject a little bit of very dark humor into yeah. it. Yeah. And it feels like it's playing to Bombach's strengths a little bit more. And yeah, yeah, the ending and then he goes to clean it up and the blocking of the way he's trying to wash it off in the sink. Uh-huh. And then reach over to get the paper towels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> pulls so up like twelve feet physically of paper on point. And yeah. then he, the way he faints, uh-huh. you know. Yeah, he just ends up on the floor. And for a second there, I'm like, is he going to bleed out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, no, no. That's not what movie I'm watching. Yeah. There's no way that's going to happen. I yeah. love too that earlier in that scene, just when he's going to get a, a glass of water for for you know, uh, and and he opens the cabinet from the wrong way. Yeah, and she sees it. Yeah, and it's like he it's immediately nice, feels the need to explain to her. He says, "Sorry, new apartment. Yeah. I don't really know my way around." She sees yet. the hole in the wall. That yes, he yes, yeah. and yes. She's very like, hmm, hmm, okay. where did that come from? She's yeah. like, obviously, she knows probably. Yeah. You know, because she's she's been in a lot of these same situations. And the thing is, is like, I feel like any parent, if you had just somebody come to watch you. Yeah, would a feel like everything they did was wrong? Right, I could not imagine that. Would just yes. totally do things they would never normally yep. do. Yeah, yep. like you know, if somebody came like to a watch vegetable casserole or whatever. <laughs> <he baked. laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if somebody came to watch you and Emily. Oh my god. <laughs> you would probably yeah. You wouldn't probably be too far off from how he does. Just. Doing, you know, making mistakes, being clumsy, and then suddenly realizing, oh, I shouldn't be doing this because that's going to make me look like a bad parent. Yeah, and Emily and I were just always fucking with each other and jest <laughs> and fun, but like an outsider might be like, what is wrong with you two? Yeah. And also the the way that the kid is not necessarily like being the model kid no. during this visit, which to him, he's just being a kid. Yeah. But Adam Driver, it's like, oh my God, you need to be yeah. perfect right now Yeah. or else – 
this woman's going to think that you are, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm a bad father to you or, or something, you know, and, and he can't really explain that. All he can say is, it's just part of mommy and daddy's process and right. it's okay and don't worry about it. And he just wants to put him at ease. But in his mind, he knows every time he tells him to do something and he doesn't do it, you know, or when he's doing his homework and he kind of is not really like putting in the full effort, uh-huh. he's just, you know, you can see the wheels turning where he's just like, oh my God, this is not going the way it's supposed to. This yeah. is not like... Um, and I actually thought when um, when the first big um, song sequence happens, and it's at uh, uh, Scarlett Johansson's, you know, whole family, when they're all performing, yeah, I great. thought that was going to cut to the the observer being there. I did there, too, yeah. And it was going to be oh, like they're yeah. putting on a show right. to show like I've got this full family, this beautiful house, yeah. you know. It's, it's just, you know, a, a party all the time. Uh, in this, like, the, the perfect environment for a kid to grow up in, yeah, that's in contrast true. to his depressing de- uh, apartment, but it didn't, didn't And shout out to Julie way. Haggerty. It's good seeing her yeah. on screen. And yeah. I love Merritt Weaver anytime she's in something. Like, I'm such a huge fan. Uh, that, that scene where uh, the divorce papers yes, being served. Yeah. that's a great scene. It was almost <laughs> like there was a gun sitting in the other room on the table. <laughs> yeah. And the audience is just like staring at it, and he's walking near it, and I'm just like, oh, my God. Yeah, he goes over to the sink, and he yes. doesn't notice it the first the, time. Uh, uh-huh. Yeah. The toaster. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so great. Uh, well, do you guys have anything else? I mean, I think we kind of hit the high points and the low points. <laughs> Any final thoughts? I do think it's interesting. I'm definitely purposeful that it was called a marriage story, not a divorce story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I thought it was going to show more of the marriage, but they really started off at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I thought that was really interesting. And again, if you hadn't known, if I had never heard somebody say, oh, this is about a divorce and it's going to be really gut-wrenching, yeah. I could have gone in that first scene and been like, oh, and then <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. right away. So I thought that was interesting. Final thoughts? Polly? Final thoughts, you've heard me maybe have a few more issues with the film. Mm -hmm. So for me, I liked the film a lot. I think it didn't quite reach the heights I was hoping it would for me Mm -hmm. or the way it did for other people. But I think it's still a great film and um, the performances especially, and especially not just the leads, but the supporting Mm -hmm. Ray Liotta, Laura Dern, Alan Alda really add so much to – the movie, and especially, I, I read this somewhere. Apparently, Alan Alda has Parkinson's. Oh, I saw and that he had some shakes going on. He mm-hmm. had some shakes, and somebody kind of commented how brave it was for him to not to to be okay with not yeah. hiding it completely. Yeah. There's a scene where he's kind of shaking. Yeah, and, you know, good on him, and he he's kind of in a way somewhat of the heart of the movie. Yeah, which it's why it's so uh, heartbreaking when he disappears yeah. and then Ray Liotta shows yeah. back up. Un- unceremoniously, oh, there's no like... There was, uh, right, you know, that was goodbye. one of the biggest gut punches in the movie because they were starting to work it out. Yeah. I mean, they were they were a yard from the end zone. Yeah. yeah. And then Ray Liotta walks in because, because of L.A. Yeah. That was the sticking point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If Charlie just would have been able to fucking give on that, it, they would have saved a lot of money and not gone through that shit. But I think that's the whole point of the whole thing. Yeah, and Alan Alda, he saw that. He he yeah. was so honest with it. Yeah. Like, I know you don't want to hear this, but this is what it is. Yeah. And Charlie couldn't and wouldn't hear it. Such great casting. He's like a surrogate father when he says, you know, you remind me of um, of me on my second my marriage. Second marriage. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love, too, the, the line he says uh, when, when they're petting the cat. And he goes, I wouldn't expect too much from that cat. Yeah. <laughs> so good. That was a great little Very line. Funny. Funny. Yeah. I love it. Um, boy, I love Adam Driver. I was a... Uh, I don't know how y'all felt about girls, but I was a really, really big fan of that show. And just, I think he's the best. 
He's so got a new movie coming out next week. Um, a sci-fi movie. Oh, he's busy. I don't know anything about this. Uh, <laughs> is it called Star Wars? <laughs> yes, that's it. Uh, that's okay, it. okay, okay. Gotcha. Sorry, bad joke. <laughs> <laughs> it was good. I, I'm, I bought it. You're a good actor because I was like, you mean something besides Star Wars? Yeah, yeah. I was. Other side that's kind of where I went. <laughs> All right, well, let's get the thumbs out, everyone. One to five thumbs. We'll start with you, Casey. I'm going to go four out of five. Okay. Um, to me, this was not top-tier Bombach, but it is very, very solidly made. Um Excellent performances all around. What's your favorite film of his? <sighs> Probably, I would have to say Squid and the Whale. Okay. I think I, I just I just like him in that New York milieu. I like the kind of just the the speed of it, the 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 kind of unsparing, completely uncompromising quality to it. I also think Greenberg is is a fantastic film, and yeah. I think that that film has so much more of a tactile feeling of L.A. to mm-hmm. me than this film did. Um, you know, for for valid reasons, because that wasn't really the point of this movie per se, even though it is about an L.A.-New York split. But, you know, Greenberg, to me, is like his definitive, like, L.A. movie, quote-unquote. Yeah. Um, and it's just th- – that that's a beautifully shot film. Harris Savitas, I think, did, you know, one of his best uh, uh, pieces of work on that movie. So, to me, like, coming out of this film, I, I, I in- thoroughly enjoyed it, you know, the entire time I was watching it. Mm-hmm. But when I left the theater – it was out of my head pretty quickly. Okay. It wasn't something that I was turning over in in the days following that. Mm-hmm. Although now that we've had this discussion, I have realized that there is maybe a little more to chew on than than I maybe gave it credit for. Okay. So, yeah, a very, very solid movie. Um, probably if, if somebody asked me to recommend a Noah Baumbach movie they'd never seen one before, this would probably be the one. Because right. I feel like this is the easiest one for people to find kind of an entryway into. And like I said, it's got some of the some of the sharper edges rounded down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I do hope that in the future, you know, he he will continue to kind of um, make these slightly more idiosyncratic and and, and challenging films. Uh, okay. Yeah. All right. Annie, thumbs. Uh, I'm also going to go with four. Okay. Um, and I really went back and forth about this because. Um, like when we did Knives Out, that movie's just so fun. And mm-hmm. I think fun, it's easier to to enjoy and, and like. And then mm-hmm. when something's difficult, yeah. it might be harder to give it like a five. Right. Um, so I was really wondering if it was more of that wasn't necessarily a fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. It did have fun elements. But I think the performances were were amazing. Um, I've never been in a situation to this level, but I've had something close. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really, really realistic and just an honest view of what this can look like. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that line between love and hate getting blurred. Um, and then <laughs> I guess one thing that it's not necessarily a bad thing, but I feel like entertainers, we have um, this thing where we make a lot of movies about entertainment. Mm-hmm. And so I thought like the whole New York, L.A. thing, I totally get it. Yeah. But I've just felt like it can be kind of alienating. Um, and it's something I sort of get tired of seeing, <laughs> even as somebody that works in this industry. I'm like, yeah. okay, director and actor. Gotcha. Seeing this world. It kind of takes it, took me out of it, I guess. Okay. Yeah. You're saying enough. more movies should be set in Atlanta, for example. <laughs> uh, Annie in the City, everyone. A and Annie Y. These, Amazon these, Prime. These do feel like two characters that have probably used the phrase fly over country a few times. Yeah. 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 Uh, Paul, thumbs? Uh, I'm going to give it four. Oh, okay. 3.8 to 4. <laughs> All right. <laughs> uh, I kind of, yeah, I agree with everyone, what everyone says. I, I do want to say my favorite Noah Baumbach film 
is a little bit of a under the radar one. Mistress America. Loved it. Oh, I do love that one too. Because yeah. he goes full screwball comedy, mm-hmm. very Preston Sturgis esque, and I I just love how much that movie makes me laugh. Yeah, I love that movie. While it does have a great deal of sincerity to it, and I think that one he co-wrote with Greta Gerwig, mm-hmm. which I think is maybe part of the reason why it has a little bit more fun to mm-hmm. it and cleverness. All right. Uh, five thumbs for me, guys. Loved it. I loved everything about it. Um, the acting to me was just um, ridiculous how great it was across the board. Same with the writing. Um, the story uh, hit home for me and not in a in a like my marriage is in trouble way, but just the realities of long-term relationships and the warts and the bumps and the, I mean, more than bumps, the the volcanoes that you have to endure and that you do endure or you choose not to. Uh, and, and I've seen in my periphery with other friends uh, that have gone through divorces that mirror this in a lot of ways and get ugly when they shouldn't have that start out maybe as uh, quote-unquote friendly divorces. So it, it was all just on point for me. I loved it. And uh, I loved the ending. thought her tying that shoe was just sort of that – little bit of hope that you need. Like, they're all going to be okay. Uh, and you needed that at the end of this movie. That scene made me think of the, do you know the Brian Eno song, I'll Come Running to Tie Your Shoe? No. Yeah, it's a beautiful song. And you should have played that song. Yeah, I know. Well, it would have been too on the nose. Yeah, <laughs> well, Paul certainly would have yeah. played that song. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's a lot of thumbs, everyone. Uh, I have so much fun with these roundtables. So let's get in for uh, another one soon. Maybe Star Wars, we've been talking about that. Amy's excited. Oh, yeah. <laughs> She's great. Uh, all right. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank thanks. you. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Honey German. And I'm Carolina Bermudez. And, and this, this is Life in Spanglish. And you know we're cooking it up in here. We got that arroz con pollo waiting for you. Why are you looking at me so confused? Because I'm like, what are we cooking? We don't <laughs> have a stove. <laughs> you got the bajo. I'll get, you know, the, you got the mangu. We got it all for you at Life in Spanglish. I need a sancocho if I'm getting any <laughs> type of food. Listen and follow on the iHeartRadio app or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, I'm Joe Levy. And on the latest episode of Inside the Studio... I sat down with one of the all-time great singer-songwriters, James Taylor. We talked about his new album, where his music comes from, and how telling his life story through his songs has helped him. Music saved my life, but I was lucky also to survive. I did some very stupid, some some years that were, were just really high risk, unnecessarily so, and a lot of people around us died, you know. So join me, Joe Levy, editor-at-large at Billboard, for this and other in-depth conversations with the biggest artists in music. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts.